They like shook you. Shook me awake or tried to shake me awake and didn't happen. What if a fire is in your apartment and someone needs to wake you up? What's the game plan? The game plan is I die peacefully in my sleep. <laughs> sleep. When I drive in Florida, so my mother now lives in Florida. I'm a New Yorker, but my mother lives in Florida now. And um, when I drive down there, mm-hmm. I genuinely, like, Jess makes fun of me because I genuinely will drive so defensively. Like, if I'm driving, I go, oh, that car's going to hit us. I'm going to slow down. She's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, it's real here. Like, yeah. these cars will hit you. I saw an old person pull in mm-hmm. and turn left on a right only with a, there was a barrier. Like, this was not a, you couldn't cross onto the left lane. Yeah. It was right on, just turned left. Yeah. I mean, why That's, not? It's Florida. Well, it's either, it's either an old person or it's a Florida man. That, <laughs> so you, <laughs> yeah, have, yeah, you yeah. have to look out for both of those people. Of course. People. Have you spent time in Florida? You're not from Florida, no? No. I've, I've visited several times okay, for okay. like uh, soccer tournaments and uh, family friends. And soccer D- tournaments? Disney. Where are you from? I'm from Northern California, but I played for like a, a hyper competitive club. So there was like... So there's like the recreational level, and then there's like the next level up, which at the time we called like class three, okay. where you have to try out, but it's not that competitive. You're just playing locally. Yeah. And then there's the class one above that, which you have to try out, and you're traveling more. And then above that was this sort of extracurricular thing called Super Y League. I think it's basically become like the the step below MLS called the USL. Um, it's kind of morphed into that. So it's it was you we were would good. I was I was the nineteenth man on this nineteen man team. I was <laughs> I was pretty good at a couple of things. I could I had endurance. I could run forever. Yeah. Um, because I was trying to, you know, kind of outgrow my asthma, so I, I got better at long distance running. Yeah. And I was a good I was good at defense. Uh, so, you know, the guy who was like the right forward or the center forward, the mm-hmm. guy who like would wear gold shoes and bleach blonde hair, but it was short and he still had a headband. That asshole. I know exactly who you're talking about. I, I wish it were me. I marked him. Okay. On the field. So my goal was to make his life awful. <laughs> never get the ball, never get a shot off. And I, I couldn't run faster than him on a sprint, but I could run, I could keep up with him for the whole game. Yeah. So that was kind of my uh, plan, my, you know, MO on the field. And I wanna, I'm want i going to chase that down. Before I do, I do want to get to the tea we're drinking today. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, so the tea that we're drinking today is Bird and Blend's Cherry Bakewell. Yeah. Um, cheers yeah. to you, my cheers. good man. Um, this is a white tea. Uh, it is subtle. I've had it. I love it. And it brews at 175 for three minutes. What did you think? I like it. I mean, I, I, it's not um, It's not like, it's not terribly bold, and I, yeah. I, which I think I'm appreciating for... Uh, you know, where we are in the day. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's a little later in the day and I, I, I usually want something bold to like kind of get mm. me going. Mm. You know, I'm more of like a, like a English breakfast, you know, green tea kind of person Love. in the morning. I'm not, not fancy. Mm. Um, you know, and then I, I sometimes, I find myself, you know, needing more and more caffeine as I get older. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, chai for the afternoon, uh, so more black tea, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's—I I don't know. I just—I—I I don't want to crash. And I, <laughs> all the jobs that I do, I have to be like a hundred percent on for. What are these? What are the jobs? Well, just for, for 
for stand-up, of course. you know, you got to be 100% in. Yeah. You know, I try not to have, like, I'm not taking, like, English breakfast <laughs> at 7 p.m. before I go do a set. I can't. I, you know, I'll be up all night, but I am sensitive to caffeine still, but I... Uh, I also tutor kids, and I talk about it in in the special. Where, but like, I, you know, I can't be half assing you know tutoring. So let me ask you that because I, because I, I obviously I've seen you do stand up. Like yeah. I, I've known you for a fair bit now, and yeah. um, and I think you're great. By the Thanks, way, man. um, you know, and by the way, I, wa- I wanted to point out if you go back and listen to the episodes, I don't say that to everybody. I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> Let the record show. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do. Josh this, is selective. Sometimes I go. Sometimes I go. Obviously, I've known you. I've seen you do stand up. So talk to me about, and then I'll skip past that little section. Oh wow! I know I'm sly. Um, but I was gonna say I, from from my memory, and obviously I don't have your your sets memorized. That's I don't think that you're a dirty comic but as a result of being a tutor for sometimes middle school students do you find yourself self-editing your material at all in case like Mm. parents find it kids find it anything like that Mm, no i mean i'm not changing my stand-up just on the off chance that a student finds it because students have found me on tiktok or instagram and sometimes they have like a very a handle that i can't tell who it is but if i like were to like investigate the comment or the like or or whatever that indicates, like, did, did that guy tutor me? Like, <laughs> I had one comment that was like, and I was like, oh, that's you know that person I tutored five years ago or whatever. Yeah, and like they're, they're in college <laughs> and they're they're doing okay. Or oh my gosh, that's kind of cool though. Yeah, I mean, I I don't investigate too much the epilogue of our time together, mm-hmm. my students and me, because sometimes I have run into that parent of that student I used to tutor. Like one of the first students I. Because I tutored when I was in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, I volunteered every year to be a tutor because I was good at school. Okay. And I figured, Wish let, I'd known you. let me help. Because clearly, I, 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 was, I wasn't blind. I saw other students in my class struggling. But as a freshman, I, I kind of understood why people didn't take me up on it. Because I wouldn't, I think a lot of people would not want their, their pride would kind of not want them to solicit help from someone younger than them or someone their age. I could see that. Yeah, I, I, would, I buy that. Some people might find it embarrassing. And my high school was super competitive academically. Okay. Like were, were you in like Marin? No, I, I lived in Marin when I was in elementary school. And then we moved to the East Bay to this town called Piedmont. And the, I know Piedmont. My sister oh, okay. uh, was teaching very close to Piedmont. Yeah. So uh, the Piedmont schools, you know, Piedmont's a, a small, wealthy town that uh, used to be part of you know, these villages that make up Oakland, but when Oakland became a city, Piedmont refused. And now it's, it, you know, Oakland completely surrounds Piedmont. Are you allowed to just refuse? Are you allowed to be like, oh, you guys are doing a city? I'll, I'm not in the mood today. Yeah, so th- we're just not doing it. <laughs> I think in the early 1900s, you could do that. <laughs> Why can't we do that now? I, so, okay, this sounds like it's off topic and I swear I'm going to get back to, to no, what you're no. saying. I just, I just want to mention this. So there are rules, okay? As we all know, there are laws, there are rules of cities, right? Right now we're in Venice, California. There are laws, there are rules, okay? Mm-hmm. Venice is part of Los Angeles. There are rules and laws. I said to I said to a friend the other day, there is a car that keeps parking and block very very up on our uh, where I have to pull out, so I can barely pull out, and it blocks the view of other cars. And I said to my friend, I was like, what if I hypothetically? By the way, this is being recorded, so this I'm never going to do this. What if <laughs> hypothetically? I match the red paint that's painted on the curbs, and I painted some red paint right on that curb to get that car to move back so I can see everything. And my buddy says to me, he goes, you can't do that. There are rules to follow. And I was like, who's going to stop me? You know what I mean? <laughs> who's going to come and be like, did this man 
paint red paint? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is just part of growing up is like how how do you how do we react to these things that kind of get built up around us both socially and physically mm. and you know i've I th- the hope is that we have like the tools that we didn't realize we needed to sort of like survive as adults like i'm very grateful now that i was born in the heart of a city okay tell me more about that because I, I was born in San Francisco and I grew up blocks from a hospital. So ambulances tore down our street when I was a toddler at all hours of the night and day. So I don't know how my parents handled it, but I learned how to sleep through anything. So when I'm out, I'm out. Motorcycle, marching band, um, axe murderer, fire hits the building. I'm sleeping through all of it. Now, have they all come at once before? Because if they're all there at the same time, I don't know if you'd sleep through that. Because the axe murderer plus the marching band. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, I came at once, but like I don't. Yeah, yeah. That was, cause, but that's because that's what I'm into. But like, sure, no, that's fine. Yeah, but I, as far as I know, like I remember a woman in a building I used to live in on the east side of L.A. Uh, was she had a nervous breakdown at like three in the morning, and at the time I was living with my girlfriend and and uh, and my friend, and my girlfriend tried to wake me up in the middle of the night because this woman was like banging on doors. She broke a window. Someone opened the door. She ran in. She was like removing her clothes. She was having a, a psychotic episode, okay. and. My girlfriend woke up, my girl, my uh, my roommate woke up, and they were trying to get me awake, and I did not stir. They, like, shook you. Shook me awake, or tried to shake me awake, and didn't happen. What if a fire is in your apartment, and someone needs to wake you up? What's the game plan? The game plan is I die peacefully in my <laughs> sleep. <laughs> I didn't see you going there. Um... The, that is the game plan. The, save yourself. Maybe take the cat, but you know what? I'll be dead. I won't care. Yeah, get out while you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I, but I'll be okay. You're gonna, you I'll be fine. I'm so, like, I, I'm, I'm enjoying my life, and I have a beautiful life right now. But I am so ready to die. <laughs> Are you okay? So this is now the third so, person. I'm so okay with it. You were the third. Okay, I in the past. 10 episodes of this podcast that I've done, you are the third person to say that you are comfortable with death. Yeah. I am like blown away by this concept because I can sit here and I'm going to be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can sit here and say that when my time comes, I'm ideally, I, I am going to be able to be grateful for what I had, be grateful for who I loved, be grateful for those that loved me and be ready to go. But mm. I would be lying to your face if I didn't tell you that there is a small piece of me in the back, back, back that no one sees that I think is going to be so scared and lonely, even if I'm surrounded by people um, and, and confounded by what I'm about to experience that I don't know that I can, I would be able to face that. No, it's, it's, a, it's a tough prospect. And I think for me, what's helped is just being, I've had a lot of like near death experiences. And so, uh, throughout my life and I've had, you know, you know illnesses and injuries that mm. could have gotten, gone a lot worse had things been, you know, a, a smidge different. Yeah. And I've just, and I've also, I also like seeking certain thrills like adrenaline rushes. And sure. I was very, um, 
adventurous as a kid, and I broke a lot of bones early. And get him out of the way. Yeah, no, I like really like three before I was eleven, like quick, and so I I think I've just. I've, I've learned some cool limits about what my body can and can't do. I'm continuing to learn about the limits of my body and the limits are only growing. Mm-hmm. So like physically, I mean, I'll do what I can to maintain, but it is only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, and I, I've lived a really nice charmed existence, you know, being, being raised by people who love me and getting to, you know, have great academic opportunities as well as, um, career opportunities and getting to do this really lovely career that we have this wonderful job that we have and getting to do it in a really nice place for all of LA's faults it's a pretty nice place to do it all I like it here yeah it it grows on me every day but I also realize that if it ended tomorrow and I try to remind myself this if it ended tomorrow I got to be okay with how it went I don't want to get morbid, but I mean, like, if you were to be told tomorrow that you have 24 hours to live and then you're just going to die peacefully, mm-hmm. do you think you'd be able to accept that and just be like, okay, I, that's, I, I, this was inevitable. It is happening now and I can accept this. I think I can. I mean, I think, I think it would happen faster now than it would if I was a little bit younger. Sure. Had certain other things not happened. Like I... You know, I had like a, a really horrible injury about five years ago where I really had to sit in. I, I was laid up for several weeks and I w- was really fighting uh, the fact that I was laid up. Mm. And, you know, I I basically, you know, without being too graphic, I, I had a severe laceration to my leg. This was a skiing accident, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we, we I t- talked about this. Yeah, I was doing I was doing a road gig in in Tahoe. There, the improv had a road gig that where that you do like a Wednesday through uh, it was Sunday. Levity up there, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a yeah Tahoe uh, improv, and you so you'd perform for these people who you know could probably take or leave you for the most part. <laughs> you try to win them over, and I was hosting, and the the headliner offered to take me skiing. Um, he offered to take the the middle act, but he said he politely declined and uh, maybe probably for maybe the best. wisely yeah <laughs> and i was doing fine i i just i hadn't been skiing in a little while but i had, i knew the mechanics of it so on yeah. the on some runs you know how the it kind of banks up sure. on the sides and there's trees and you know you could conceivably go up that embankment around a single tree and add a little zhuzh. Yeah, it's not a tree run, but you could add a little fun in the mix. Right. So I had done that earlier in the day and it went fine. So I was feeling myself a bit. Yeah. And so I tried to do it again. And what, what happened was I couldn't see what was up there. And what was up there was, was a series of rocks and jagged logs. And I tried to ski over them and I couldn't. And so, what you know the log that i fell on um kind of tore through everything and um you know i learned some anatomy i learned where our femoral artery is it's on the inside <laughs> and i i messed i i messed up the outside which is apparently just you know cold cuts okay so the because the, that if you hit the femoral that's bleed, the game yeah you bleed out yeah but you hit the outside yeah holy crap okay so i um so yeah my the headliner um i'll Shout her out, Sarah Tiana. She's incredible. I'm uh, sorry. This was Sarah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she she asked, "Are you all right?" And I and I said, uh, "No," because you know, on Kill Bill, when like they'll they'll swipe a they, there's like fight scene where they like swipe a sword, and then you see like the streak of blood. Yes. And then the person falls. It was like that. Uh, so I saw this uh, streak of 
of blood and I, um, you know, I realized I was down and she asked if I was okay. And I'm like, no. And then she kind of hobbled her way up and, um, she kind of, you know, she put pressure on the wound and called for help. And fortunately a ski patrol person had come by pretty soon after I had fallen. And they put me in one of those, that, that like toboggan coffin thing. I know it. Behind yeah. the snowmobile. So, um, so yeah, I, mi- I missed the show that night and, um, cause I had to be in surgery and they, um, it was like 26 stitches and, um, uh-huh. they, you know, Dilaudid and the whole thing. And, uh, I, I, they released me the next day and, um, I was really hobbled, but, um, I, I managed to get a taxi home or it's back to the hotel and, uh, hobbled How did you on stage fly? the next night. Cause I was worried they weren't going to pay me. I'm sorry. You hold on. This was a three night engagement. It was a five night, engagement. five night engagement. So I, 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 I performed Wednesday and Thursday and then we, I, I fell on Friday. So I missed Friday and then I hobbled on stage for Saturday and Sunday. Were you not in massive pain? I was in, I was not, I was not feeling good, uh-huh. but my, my leg was very swollen. Um, and I had crutches. So I kind of just kind of leaned on the crutches, but it was, I was basically like saving up all my energy for the show kind of like we save up our energy for like a road gig anyway but like i was really saving all of it up for the gig but i want to go back to when you were saying you were fighting you were laid up obviously as a result of that yeah i was i was fighting that be feeling that weak which i had not felt Mm -hmm. to that extent before yeah and i was i remember trying to go to the comedy store Uh on the workout night on monday I, i remember trying to get on my crutches to get down to my car and drive and drive to the club. This was maybe like a, like a week and a half or two weeks after the accident had happened. And I, I mean, I, I flew up and did Sketchfest the following week after my injury. How did you get on a plane without hurting your leg? Um, if you are injured like that and you call ahead to the airport or you let them know that you need a wheelchair assist, they'll wheel you through the airport and you're first on the plane. Yeah, but so, then these seats don't have a lot of leg room. They sit you in the front row. Oh, bulkhead. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, there's, I'm not, I'm not in the, you know, they, I, I like, I'm going on before military personnel. It mm-hmm. was, if you, I mean, if you're willing to be injured like that, being, you know, there are some perks. <laughs> there are some perks. If Listen, if you lacerate your leg, yeah, there are willing, some perks. You're willing to, if you're willing to see it that way. Uh, but, but I mean, I, I think I was just, I was very much willing myself through these mm-hmm. um, scenarios because I don't think I would do it the same way. Because I think I saw, you know, in stand-up, certain things feel so fleeting, certain opportunities feel so fleeting. Like, yeah. what, if, what if they never book me for this again? What if they never have me back? What if they never have me at all? Mm-hmm. And then when they, when they do have you, because that sketch fest that I got into, it was in 2019, it was the f- I'm from San Francisco, it was the first time they had ever accepted me into the festival. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that was like, it's taken this long for them to let me into this. I, you know, I would like to take advantage of it. And of course the show that they booked me on was in the Arlington cinema and draft house, which is all fucking stairs. Cause it's a movie theater. <laughs> You're like, someone carry me up. I'm going to crush this. I just need to, I need some arms. Dude. It was, I mean, I was a little more used to the crutches by the night and I was able to, balance more on my good leg um my 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 right leg got so muscular <laughs> as a result of the, and my other leg was you know 
nearly atrophied. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but so you fought all this, and, and I want to I want to tie it into the point we were making earlier about about being scared of death. Now that you've had more experiences, you know those things aren't going away. How does all this tie in with you kind of coming to a place where you would be at peace with the idea of if that uh, uh, accident had been worse? Um, I think. I mean, I think the first time that I felt like okay with it all going away, because I used to be a really big worrier as a little kid. I'm still there, so let me know how you get out of it. <laughs> no, I mean, and I, and I do, so, and sometimes when things don't work out, like it was raining a lot here in LA and the power went out in my building, and I was really frustrated. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not perfect on, at this, but like, I, I remember there was a significant moment when I was 20, I went skydiving for the first time, and it really helped me let go of certain worries mm-hmm. that were that I had no control over. And yeah. it's, it's just been a, it's, and that's, and since then I've, I've had more and more experiences where I've really gotten to learn the difference between what I have control over and what I don't have control over. And the more I let go of the stuff that's outside my control, the freer I feel. Mm. Do you meditate? Uh, poorly and not often. <laughs> so how, the reason I asked that is like, I'm trying to think about, did you, was this a, was this a mindset shift that you did by yourself or was this something that like, I don't think it's so easy as to say, and perhaps I'm wrong and I'm opening the idea that, yeah. that, that I may not be right here. I, I, I don't know if it's as easy as to say, worrying about the things out of my control takes more away from me than it, than it is additive. So I'm going to let that go. And then it just happens. No, it, it takes, it takes time. And I, I've had help. I've had, you know, mentors who've helped me with it. And I've had like, you know, friends and acquaintances who've, who've helped me, kind of you know I've, I've been able to bounce these ideas off of and it's really helped but um and, I, and sometimes it's just also watching other people walk through life mm. you, know, you kind of see the more i mean comedians we're not, we we become very observant just by the nature of what we do but like i'm sure you've seen those people who are really just like it, there's like a white knuckling element of you know trying to like just just hold on to this thing because if I hold on to it, maybe I'll be able to turn this whole ship around. And it's like, it's not going to happen. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen on its own. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I used to believe in this idea that I need to keep all these balls in the air. Yeah. And sometimes the velocity that I was able to put under them to keep them up might be less than other times, mm-hmm. but I was still trying to keep all those balls in the air where I'm at now in my life is more the idea that, if you're looking at these balls, and this is not my idea, so anyone who's listening goes, it sounds familiar. This is not mine. Uh, <laughs> I, I read this, and I thought it was it was worthwhile. Um, if you're trying to keep all these balls in the air. It's not as important to keep the balls in the air as it is to understand which of those balls is rubber and which of those balls is glass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, okay. my my relationship with, with my fiancé, mm-hmm. that ball is glass. That is important. That is not something mm-hmm. that, I, that, that, that I'm going to Got let it. drop. Okay. okay. Like that's where I am with that. My, my, my health is a ball that I'm trying not to let drop. You drop those things, those things chip, right? Whereas, whereas stand up, for example, okay. I, uh, was asked to do a show that for, for a variety of reasons, including me feeling a little sick, I turned down. It was a show I really wanted to do. I had not gotten that offer before I turned sure. it down. It was important for me to understand in that moment, that ball is rubber. Mm-hmm. That is not that is not class. Nothing chips, nothing breaks away from me. My life is not in shambles because I didn't do this. Yeah. That is a rubber ball that that is going to I may drop it, it's going to bounce back. 
Yeah, it might even be like a squeaky bow. It's like, <laughs> and then like it, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a or listen, I have two cats. Maybe they'll just swat it away. I don't know, but yeah, they'll. Yeah, oh my god, I, I for those that are listening, Stuart just did. The, I can't explain it. I'm say it's the thing the cats do with balls. It's the Will Ferrell SNL audition it where he's is. he's doing the cat imitation. He's got the kind of the ball in between his paws. Yeah, and, and they're and then they made it into a sketch, and I think it was yeah. Vince Vaughn, and he's like, no, that's good. That, that's good. He he likes that one, so that's good. We're gonna sell that. <laughs> Um, I want to keep talking about this, but I know we have to get um, to the first segment. Are you ready for the Newly Friend game? Sure. So it's the Newly Friend game. It's like the Newly Wed game, but we're friends. Um, the way this is going to work is I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to write down your answer. Okay. Don't say it out loud. Got it. Uh, and we're going to flip our boards and see if we both got it right. And then we'll do the same or different question for me. Okay. Um, I was reading on your website, I told you that earlier, and saw something that made me really happy, which was at your first, uh, uh, I think it was your first show, uh, you met Robin Williams. It was, yeah, the first paid show I ever did, I met Robin Williams. So given that, so Robin Williams is one of the people I admire most uh, uh, in, in, in comedy and just career in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So my question for you, and again, don't say it out loud, write it down, what is your favorite Robin Williams movie? My favorite. Your okay. favorite. So we're doing this for you first. So what is your favorite? So don't say it. Write it down. Okay. And this is tough because I want to say of all actors, I think he's got a really, really great uh, selection you could choose from here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of options. I'll be honest. I don't I don't think this this movie holds up. Okay. Now. Okay. Should, should I show? Yeah. Let's flip the board on three. You ready? One, two, three. Flip. Okay, so we both said Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, yeah, how funny. Points, love it. Love it. Does it? I'm going to be honest. So I loved this movie, but I haven't seen it in a while. Does it not hold up? I don't think it holds up in the, like, I think if you were to try, some people say, like, if if you were to try to make it today, I don't know if it would fly, because I think there is, like, the element of, like, Mm cross-dressing. I don't, I feel like our understanding of the the nature of, like, why people cross dress from a cultural standpoint and from like a personal expression standpoint and from a you know delineating between like cross dressing drag and actually being transgender mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that conversation has evolved so much that I don't I don't I don't think it would be approached in the same way. I know it's a stage show now and there's you know it's the point of it is like he he just wants to be close to his kids um and then and i think they do react you know sally field and you know pierce brosnan react kind of justifiably like this is fucked up it was a (laughs) drive-by fruiting yeah (laughs) yeah um but just you know there's the the initial moment where he because he's a voice actor yeah and I think the most improbable thing about this movie is he's a voice actor in San Francisco. <laughs> he's he's making this very niche career <laughs> well outside of... <laughs> of where you... Well, it's not where you need to be, but where it is. He's trying to be Mel Blanc by the Bay. Like, right. it's... He's... It's it's a really tough sell. It's hard to be Mel Blanc from anywhere, but let yeah. alone the Bay. Having, having worked in this industry yeah. to this degree now. And uh, so I think that's... That's the part that feels the least... Um, I love that. In a movie that has so many complicated uh, elements to it, your biggest concern is that he's trying to be a voiceover in an expensive city. Yeah. I also... I use Miss, Mrs. Doubtfire as a reference a lot because people will sometimes ask me, can I call you Stu? Uh, and I always say, I will always introduce myself as Stuart hmm. because I don't see myself as a Stu. Sure. 
Because when I think of Stu, I think of Pierce Brosnan's character, whose name is Stu. Wow. And, I, and I'm like, I'm not that. No. I'm not Mr. Steal Your Girl in the 90s. <laughs> Stu. That's Stu. I think he's Mr. Steal Your Girl right now. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan? Yeah, yeah, of course. To this day. Yeah. Okay, no. let's do this one for me, and then we and then we can keep things moving. Um, same question for me. What is my favorite Robin Williams movie? Your favorite Robin? Williams yeah, this is gonna be tough because mm-hmm. I you you know you don't know exactly where my movie tastes go, but no, I, you know I what? Don't. You've gotten to know me a little bit in this conversation. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna say you might get this. Okay. All right, ready? To flip your board on three. One, two, three. Flip. Oh, oh, let me tell you something. Goodwill Hunting is in my top five of all time, okay. but I wrote down Dead Poet Society. Yes, I mean it's like we see you know two, the two serious <laughs> Robin yeah, Williams yep, movies, yep, yep, yep. Are the ones that we picked. Uh, I yeah, I remember it was uh, it was pouring rain, and that's the end of the game. You can put your board okay. down. <laughs> um, I, I, it was pouring rain. I, I was born and raised in New York, and it was pouring rain out, and. Um, you know, I, no one wants to leave in the rain. My friends, but no one was. None of my friends were going out. I think I was in middle school, or you know, maybe a freshman in high school. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fine. And this is going to date me. I understand the story. It's not going to make me seem young. Um, but um, <laughs> I, that wasn't what I was. Hoping well, I haven't for. even gotten there yet. <laughs> <It's> um, like, <laughs> uh, you'll see why in a second. Okay. Um, I I was like I was like, what should I do? And my parents were like, I don't know. Watch a movie. Keep yourself occupied. And I was like, okay. So I was like, let me go look through the VHS tapes that they have. And um, that's where the dating comes in. So I so I go and I look and I see something called Dead Poet Society mm-hmm. and I don't really like it's some you know a nondescript picture of a boarding school. Uh, on oh, the so cover. there is there is like a, a a jacket to the. I think so. I may be making up that memory, but I believe there was because I feel like I mean I feel like we're pretty close in age. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thirty three, almost thirty four. I'm thirty seven. Yeah, okay, yeah. So we're you know we grew up in a similar time where like I feel like a lot of people's homes that I grew up with, at least, there were a, there were a lot of VHS tapes, and a lot of them were just kind of naked. So but ours were mostly without uh, uh, casing. Yeah, and there, and so, and a lot of them were either recorded over, they were something else, mm-hmm. and now they're another thing. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, my parents just had, like, there was, like, a blank one that was just Meet Me in St. Louis, but I don't know if it was still Meet Me in St. Louis. I was going to say, yeah, been, yeah. I remember my dad came home, with a box of VHSs that were, I guess, on clearance from somewhere. That's how it always goes. Who knows? He may have just had a friend who was getting rid of him. Yeah. And the two two of the movies that I remember that I think kind of got me interested in just the nature of being funny were Dumb and Dumber and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, what a convenient two to get into your you right. Know. And I mean, they're I mean, they're they're great movies, and I think that I, I think that those both hold up and. Uh, it was two movies that I got to see my parents laugh hard at. Mm. And I was like, and when I think when you're a kid and you see your parents laugh like that for the first time, I think that that creates a seismic shift in one's brain about like, oh, these people who seem like gods and seem like they can do no wrong or in charge of my day to day they have this ability to get vulnerable and laugh at something. Mm. And so you wanted to be the person who could also bring that out of them. I mean, Presumably. I just got fascinated by like just what made people laugh. Yeah. And what, and it made me fascinated with what, like what made me laugh. And I, and I learned very clearly how different my sense of humor was from my parents. Like we bonded on those two movies, but mm-hmm. like on most other things we were in completely different directions. In what, in what sense? Well, just like the media that we consumed. I mean, it's just a generational difference. Like, I mean, I, I gravitated towards really odd cartoons like Ren and Stimpy. And, sure. Uh, I I remember, and my brain was just not developed. 
you know, mine so, still isn't. <laughs> you should get that checked. From what I've heard, from what I've heard, my. But I, I remember. I don't know if you like told jokes at the dinner table to your all family, the time, but like most of mine bombed really hard, even at that the young age of like seven. Mm. I remember like trying to tell a funny story, and it made me laugh to no end. But my parents like, honey, that is not funny. They would actually say that's not like, funny. I know you're really enjoying this, but this is not working. And interesting. So, I was hamming it up a lot. I was not a ham. I oh, was, I was like, you were trying my, to go my, my for a sophisticated, really. You're like, so, so, so um, let me tell you a good joke about um, stuffed animals. And they would be like, that's just not, you're not landing. It's just it. like a story or just like something funny that happened at school. And I just couldn't, I couldn't deliver it. So I really had to like learn how to be funny. My brother was like the naturally funny person. Like mm. he, he would do, he would like, just like, l- look in different directions and look kind of mischievous and my parents would be like, oh, he's amazing. Yeah. And You were like, listen, I just subverted your expectation with an incredible setup into my punchline. He just smiled. Yeah. Um, but no, that's so interesting. I didn't, I, I think like, I always wanted to do comedy when I was younger. My mother loves telling the story. I said, uh, when she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, a sit down comic. It's like a stand up comic, but I like to sit, which is the dumbest thing in the world. But it's a great kid joke. Yeah, yeah. As a kid, I was like, nailed it. Um, <laughs> but but she loves she loves telling that. But I, I I went into I think that the ham part of me brought me into musical theater, which I was mm. adamant about not doing until my sister when I was like a freshman in high school. My sister was like, "Got to try out for the drama club," and I was like, "No." And she's like, "I do it. I'm in the drama club. You should be a part of it." I was like, "No." And she's like, "There are some like cute girls there," and I was like, "Cool." So like, how do I get into this <laughs> drama club you're talking about? Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know auditioned. And, and got into it and you know did guys and dolls and all of a sudden was like holy shit i can ham it up and i'm and, and people this are is applauding. the place for it this is the arena for it this is what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. and i was like well that is you know and i'm i'm getting into it you know what i mean yeah. and i and i and it gave me a swagger and i was like oh, this sure is the theater kids always have a swagger to them it's and it it doesn't always like extend beyond where they're rehearsing or where they're doing the show. Mm-hmm. Like it might not extend to other parts of the school, but like if they're in a group together and it is an insular group in most school environments, those kids were, could have been the most confident kids in school. Yeah. And I, and I, I was never really in that world. I was like, I, I played music in school and like played soccer year round. So like I was, I was saying you played both. You were both. Yeah. I mean like it was, it's not, it, it didn't conflict too much, but I wasn't like super hardcore into music. I just kind of, I don't know. I, the family discussions around like committing to things were always like very like you got to commit to a thing. We're not we're not doing a bunch of different horseshit activities. Like <laughs> you know, your parents sound tough, dude. I mean, they're, they're really nice people, but they are they are tough. I but I think this all it's very funny that this is what we're talking about because I I didn't you know this was all very organic, but it makes yeah. me think about I mean the, the name of your special is conditional love. We're talking yeah. about the way that your parents interacted, yeah. saying like hey like don't horseshit this or like you know hey we're gonna be candid with you like this isn't funny what you're doing right now isn't funny. Yeah, is, I'm to, sure there was things that I did that that di- that did make them. Laugh. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure and, you had a hit rate, but, but I just, like. I, I, you remember the bombs. <laughs> I still do. More. Yeah. I, have, I, I don't think my parents' love is conditional. By the no, way. I, I that, sure and I was clear. not trying to imply that. Yeah. But I guess what I was trying to say with all of that is that I think that it is interesting that you are exploring the, this idea. I haven't had a chance to see the special yet, mm. but I think that you are exploring this idea of, of conditional love, like, and it does run through a lot of the things we've talked about. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I think a lot more relationships would 
maybe benefit from recognizing that there are certain conditions. Sure. You know, I, you know, we see these, you know, movies and TV shows that are geared towards around marriage and, you know, building family and like this idea of like, you know, do you, do you promise to love this person unconditionally is usually kind of how the vows play out. And, you know, I think, I think if you do find that person where you're able to do that, then I think that's great. But Mm. I think, you know, I don't know if every relationship is like that. And I think if two people are able to agree on certain conditions, then I think having that level of honesty could benefit certain relationships. Is that where, where within your special did the idea for that, that, uh, title come from? Um, it's the last story on the special. So like, I don't want to give too much away. No, and you should. it's, It's, but it is involving something that happened, growing up mm. with my family and you know it it involves like a very specific feeling that i have and it's kind of centers around birthdays mm. so i'm not giving it away but like i i kind of i i let people know that i'm not a big fan of my birthday so uh, you, wow we're on opposite sides okay you are not a big birthday person no okay. I, I don't celebrate my birthday terribly well and i i'm not like I said, I'm not a terribly extroverted person. So the idea of like cultivating like a party experience, like I can, I can organize like a dinner with like three friends and mm-hmm. my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Yeah. But like, we're going to keep it chill. I don't want people singing happy birthday. I don't think, listen, I love my birthday and I don't want people singing happy birthday. I don't think anyone's loving, unless it's it, Stevie Wonder's happy birthday, at which point I'm fine but, with that. Yeah. Black happy birthday is way better. Yeah, but so much better. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, so I'm not, so I'm not a birthday person and I kind of explain why I don't like my birthday. And, um, you know, it's mostly because it, it falls on St. Patrick's day, which is just like a really, uh, terrible holiday. Uh, and it's kind of a it's kind of a nothing holiday. I'm embarrassed to say this, and and hopefully other people uh, can relate to this. It's it's March some some February. Yeah, it's March 17th. March 17th. Um, obviously, I knew your birthday. I just didn't know when when St. Patrick's Day was. Is no, what no, I was no, asking. It's all, it's all good. All good. Um, yeah, there are <clears throat> that holiday. In my own experience, that holiday has has been. I engaged with it for maybe two years. And I think we all know that was in my young twenties. And I was like, Hey, it's an excuse to get plastered. Uh, and not to go back to us growing up as I've gotten older, I'm a little like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, why yeah. is this happening? But I will say I have no Irish in me whatsoever. Literally none. Mm-hmm. However, my, uh, my mom and dad would, uh, every year my mother would make uh corned beef and cabbage. <laughs> And uh, to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Just the, a very wholesome cultural appropriation. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say cultural appropriation done with a definite hat tip. Um, and, uh, and I looked forward to that meal every year. That's very funny. I know. I, I got to say, I gave up meat uh, 11 years ago, and I will say that like there are certain weird moments where I go, hmm, and that's one of them. You missed the corned beef and cabbage. A little bit, which that's which so well, let's be clear. I mean, that's not like a high quality meat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the meal the meal's just okay, but I mean, I mean, like you, you can, yeah, I, I would I would zhuzh up corned beef differently. I um, do love that that you you've said zhuzh twice on this podcast, and I love that word. So the fact that you've said it has really like sparked joy in me. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I I grew, I grew up with the original queer eye, and that's where it came from. Good, uh, at least for me, that was. I love that you're like OG queer eye. Don't give me that new stuff. No, it's uh, you know the I'm you know the crass jokes, poor video quality. Good. 
just the worse try- the better. Just, tr- just trying to get some dudes to stop wearing, you know, jeans with flip flops. That was like that's that was the that was the goal in the early two thousands. That's you were just trying to get people to wear fewer pairs of cargo shorts. And um, I remember that was another that was another time I remember hearing my parents laugh really hard, but not quite getting it because remember like. The gay crew had just entered this. I'm sorry. So they're the gay crew, the Fab Five. The if Fab you will. Five. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I will. Uh, <laughs> if they <laughs> they came into the house and they're like, it's like it's really cold, and mm. they're like, let's mm. adjust the thermom- thermometer. And this, they're like, what should it be like 68? And Carson Chris is like, I prefer 69. And my parents laughed and laughed, and I did not get it. <laughs> and I remember being like 13. I'm like. Why is that so funny? <laughs> yeah, you're like but 69. It's, I feel like that's, that's pretty roomy. <laughs> Why are they laughing yeah. at that? And, and it was just like, oh, and and now that I understand it, I'm like, oh, my parents were, um, they had a they had a nice sense of humor. Uh, I hate you this because I'm having a lot of fun. But are you ready to go to the final segment? Sure, man. Uh, the final segment is uh, a lightning round. It's five fast questions. They do not at all have to be fast answers. Got it. And I'd like to use an index card because I feel like this is my only shot at being a late night talk show host. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone's like, you know what we need? Another straight white male to come in here with a J name to take over one of these shows. Ed, did you know that? There's another J host. I swear to God, I can't <laughs> even imagine. He's not a Jimmy. He's not a John. That's a, he's, that's, he's a Josh. That's, a, that's better than mine by a mile. Question one for you. So what is a favorite ritual of yours? So one of mine, I love brewing tea. Yeah. Uh, I like riding my bike through LA. You know, it's it's exercise. I can cover a lot of ground. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big guy. So jogging on pavement in a neighborhood does not feel good for my body. Nothing feels good for my body anymore. But yeah, that's <laughs> reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it gives me a headache. It hurts my knees. But like... but Cycling, for a big guy like me, it feels like I can glide through this city. Oh, yeah. And I feel like... Cycling is a really nice way to commune with your neighborhood, with your community, because like I'm not encased in a car. Where cars I can are very insulating. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really easy to be judgmental of people, and you know, uh, kind of stew in resentment mm. when we are in a car because we don't know what someone's intentions are because they're locked in their car. We're we're there's two encasements of metal that are between us. Sure. But when I'm on a bike, there's nothing encasing me. So if someone cuts me off, I I yell at them. I don't yell at people in any other context. Hmm. Uh, I but I yell when I'm as like, hey, I'm here. Yeah. You know, I've I've had to you know pat at a car. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, I'm I'm around. You know, make some room. You know, you know, we're in a city. Make make room for other people that yeah, are yeah. sharing this road with you. And. You know, fortunately, I, I ride in places where there's a lot of bike lanes, but like, you know, I ride up, um, I, I, I moved to the west side now, so I'm a little closer to the ocean. Oh, I didn't know you are on the west side. Just moved very recently. Oh. Um, I'm not quite where you are, but like I'm, you know, I'm in the general area and I was able to, I could, but I can ride out to PCH now. Lovely. Yeah, lovely over there. And, you know, one day I had just like a couple hours to get some ride time in before I had to do some other stuff and I, I was able to ride up you know, PCH for about 15 miles and 15 miles back. And it's, you know, I can cover a lot of ground. I, I feel like I get, you know, I can build up my, my stamina and my wind and I get to see, you know, you know, beautiful landscape that is LA. I love that. Yeah. It's a great answer. Um, question two, what is a running bit you have with a friend or partner that makes you laugh? Oh, I have a couple. Um, so do you know, Trey Stewart? 
Yes, yes. So Trey Stewart and I got hired at the comedy store around the same time in yeah. 2012. And, you know, he he got fired well before I quit. <laughs> uh, well, but yeah, he got fired also in 2012. Um, he, he did. <laughs> oh, I was kidding. Years. No, it's like six months in. <laughs> But that's Trey's story to tell. <laughs> My lord. Um, uh, but anyway, <laughs> Trey and I, uh, no matter how long it's been since we've seen each other, we're always very surprised to see each other. Where, like, he, I could have seen him yesterday, and then I'll, I'll see him again and be like, oh, Trey. <laughs> it's like, oh, Stuart. <laughs> like, so we're always, like, a little extra surprise yeah, yeah, to yeah. see each other. And there was a time when he was living in LA where like we were seeing each other all the time and it was like, Oh, <laughs> and then I would, that would kind of morph into other things that I would do with other people, especially when I was working at the store. Yeah. Um, you know, so Don Barris is the, um, is the warm pack for Kimmel and he would usually be the person closing out most nights at the comedy store and his, um, his female, uh, you know, companion, Mary Jane, would who was part of the Ding Dong Show would you know be with him at the comedy store and she would always be like, "Hello, Mr. Stewie," <laughs> and that's just what she called me, Mr. Stewie. And so then other people would call me that, like Earl Skakel would call me Mr. Stewie, and I'd be like Mr. Skakel. So just kind of I giving kind him of his love that t- you got that. Yeah, so I would I would have those things with different people, and then um, there was a guy who who used to work at the comedy store as well, Doc Willis. Um, who was, you know, kind of like the senior um, staff member because mm-hmm. he was older than a lot of us and he had been working there for longer than most of sure. us. And he was usually the lot guy and um, he would call people fam a lot. And uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Baldinger and I kind of uh, took part of that and we call each other family. <laughs> like we like extended out. It's such a Baldinger kind of thing to do. Yeah, yeah. so we'll be like, family! <laughs> <laughs> it's not fam, it's family. Oh my lord! Uh, I and t- and and we've known each other long enough that he is family. Oh so. no, I love Baldinger. Yeah, sweet guy. I saw I, last time I saw him, I, I, I ran into him in December, and yeah. I actually kind of had an O tray kind of moment with him. Um, yeah. Question three: What is a controversial opinion that you have? Controversial opinion that I have? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's there's certain laws that I just don't think really matter. Okay, <laughs> like, hit me. Like I don't th- I don't I don't think speed limits matter. You know the. I love that opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think if you're not, you know, they they told us when we learned how to drive that driving is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you can't handle that, you know, like, and and all these speed limits they're designed so that like you're driving slower than you probably could drive. But like, I need to be places. <laughs> I and thought you were going to come to some real philosophical point. You're going, I just need to be places. I, I am, there. you know, that that saying, like, you know, it's about the journey, not the destination. That is a load of horseshit. <laughs> I agree. I like being, you know, we have to travel so much for our work, and I have to I travel. Have to hit the road tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, anytime I have to travel somewhere, I the transit part mm-hmm. is the worst part of the journey. The, you know, being in a place, I love. I mm. love being in different places. But the minute they invent teleportation, I am ditching my car. I am ditching planes. Sign me up. 
I I do not like I don't care if it leads to some weird love weird kind of cancer that I develop. Kind of the way we didn't realize smoking was bad. They were like, we'll realize that teleportation is bad. Oh, I can already tell you it's probably quite bad when they yeah, invent it, it. Yeah. If it if I if we only have like five teleportations in us before we get like this weird form of riddled with cancer. Yeah. Yeah, just like full face cancer. Like whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. If it means I get to like travel to some places that I would not be able to go to otherwise because the journey's too long. I think if we had five teleportations in us, I would be, I'm the person who would spend hours just being like, okay, but like I could teleport there, but like maybe I shouldn't, but I kind of want, uh, I don't know. Whereas I think there are other people in this world who, if we all just get five, so like, I, I got really hungry. It was about 2 a.m. and I didn't really want to um, walk to 7-Eleven, so I just used one of them. I still have four. They relate to work. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I think there are people in this world who are using a teleportation on something yeah. so ridiculous. They're yeah. literally just like, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to walk home. My, my, yeah. you know, I, There were three more blocks to go. I had had a lot to drink. I just teleported back. Question four. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? And if so, is there one particular moment that really sticks with you? I guess the closest thing to imposter syndrome on, on like a regular basis is like I've never had I don't think I've ever had like a like a click in comedy. You know how like comedy can get very clicky. Do I know? That's yeah, I've lived it. I mean, I mean, some people are less aware of these things, and so I, I you seem pretty aware and yeah, pretty, yeah. you know, clued into these things. But sure. when I started doing comedy, I was ten years younger than most of the people that were also starting at the same time as me in San Francisco. Mm. I was 18 and most of them were 28. Yeah. So I did not have a lot in common with these people and I was balancing school. So I was not around often because I was still, I still kind of gave a shit about school Mm. and I, I, there was no option for me to just kind of like fail out of school. It it was not like that would not have gone over well with any of the people that I, that were around me. Well, I also I know your parents pretty well after this podcast. I don't think they would have loved that either. <laughs> yeah, they, they were they were they were they were big on me finishing. Yep. So, um, and I and I kind of wanted to complete it as well. I do have a completionist streak within me. Sure. So, I didn't feel like I was a part of the group of people that I was starting out with in comedy. I mean, we're friends now, and when I see them, I'm very happy to see them. But like, you know, it was all very fleeting the amount of interactions that we all had. And I'm close with some of them, not as close with others. But and then when I came to LA, I was still pretty young compared to most people. I was 21, and I got hired at the comedy store pretty quickly. And so I was kind of like thrown into this lion's den of you know some of the best comics and some of the most acerbic comics. Uh, That's and, a place to find them. Yep. Yeah, and and a lot of and a lot of genuinely wonderful people. But like, it took a while for them to grow on me and for me to grow on them. But I, I've learned to be comfortable being alone in a lot of circumstances. I mean, stand-up is a very solitary pursuit. It's going to say you chose the field for it, yeah. Yeah, and being a tutor is like I'm, I'm, I'm not – I don't have to go into an office and meet and hang with other tutors and, like, you know, tell stories around the water cooler. I just go to the – I go to these students and I help them out and then I, I go on my way. I feel like a hired gun in both of these um, jobs that I have. And so I'm, I'm kind of okay with, like – doing things solo mm-hmm. a lot of the time i think i mean that's a phenomenal answer 
Um, probably one of my favorite answers. I think we've gotten to that oh, question thanks, before. Um, I hate to say this is our final question because I really <laughs> enjoy this, uh, but I'm really excited for this question for you because okay. the question is often, I had to change it. It was originally, what's your favorite tea? But then I had to say, what's your favorite tea or comfort? Because a lot of people don't drink tea, but mm. I know you are a tea drinker. <laughs> so I'm excited to ask you this. What is your favorite tea? Um, shoot. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, like, there's there's go-tos for me. Like, yeah. I, mean, I think English breakfast is kind of like the constant go-to for me. It's, it's classic for a reason. But um, there's a there's a, a loose-leaf tea shop that uh, is not too far from where uh, you and I live. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually when people ask me for what to get me for a gift and I don't know them that well, I will, uh, or I'm just starting to get to know them, I'll usually just say loose-leaf tea. Because, yeah. like, that's a thing that, you know, is requires a little bit of searching, but like it's specific enough where like you can go to like probably one place in a town and that's where it is. Yeah. Out uh, of curiosity, if you like them, shout them out. What is the loose leaf place? Um, I think it's called Buena Vida. Oh, I've been in Buena yeah. Vida. I was yeah. there about a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, they do a nice job. I love and them. um they and they have nice services like when you're if you go there in person. That's where that's what I did. Yeah. And um they'll do like an afternoon tea kind of thing with the tea cakes and um yeah. they, they do a very nice job. And they uh but yeah, my uh, my girlfriend's mom was very kind to get some uh, teas that I had not tried before. And um, when you asked me like what tea I'd like to have, and um, this is different from the one that I, that she got me, but she got me this white tea. Yeah, it's like this jasmine silver needle kind of thing. I love silver needle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it, it's very nice, and it's it's not something I thought I would like, but I I I, f- I find it very enjoyable. And there's another one that they they make. Um, <laughs> it's more of just like a for the caffeine element, but it is it is tasty, <laughs> and it's also called gunpowder. <laughs> oh, I love gunpowder tea. It's, I think gunpowder is amazing. It's like it's it feels like the most manly version <laughs> of tea that you can have. You need to butch up tea. That's yeah. what that's what you needed. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's like if Black Rifle Coffee tried to make a tea. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they would call it gunpowder, but they can't because it's it's already in existence. And who would have thought? Yeah. Um, this was amazing. Uh, that's the pod. How do you feel? I feel good, man. I'm glad. It's, it's nice to get to talk to you and get to know, get to know some of your interests. And I, I, I feel like we're remarkably similar. Even, uh, I mean, the sweaters aside, <laughs> uh, I like that we wore different colors for uh, continuity purposes. You know, that's what we do here. Yeah. Um, as soon as you walked in, I go, I'd wear what he's wearing. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, I, I feel like we're more similar than I had even already uh, assumed. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, you're genuinely welcome back anytime. And because you're on the West Side, if you ever want to come over for tea, just text me. I would love that, man. Thank um, you. Awesome. Thank you. That was Stuart Thompson. You can find him at Stuart B. Thompson on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You can find his new special, Conditional Love, on his YouTube page. This episode was produced by Dylan Rosenthal. It was edited by Martin Alvarez. Our theme song and additional music are by Oliver Hymack. Our cover art was done by Neil Fraser with photography by Matt Mazisco. Social media by Dia Viegas. Please write a review and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you can. You can send any questions, comments, newly friend game suggestions, or tea suggestions to steepcombos at gmail.com or tweet us at steepcombos. I'm Josh Lanzette, and you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Josh Lanzette. We'll be back next week, so until then, happy steeping. I'm I'm worried about my balance, like where I get like caught up in something and just fall over.
Yeah, I mean that could happen. I um, <laughs> <laughs> surely it hasn't um, here. <laughs> this guy? No. Yes. 